When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. to a special bonus episode of Kicking It with Grant Mahoney and Jeff Woody. I am Jeff Woody. This is uh, and this is also Grant Mahoney. Aiden Wyatt is behind the board. Um, we have, like I said, special edition, and also Kicking It is sponsored by Kelderman Manufacturing. If you want to learn more about Kelderman Manufacturing, uh, go to kelderman.com and uh, or keldermanufacturing.com, and it is uh, A plus stuff. But anyway, this is probably the best guest that we've ever gotten. So we're not going to spend too much time talking about. Uh, if you're listening to this during the during the football season and kind of listening to this more topically as opposed to going back and listening to it, we'll talk about BYU. We'll talk about upcoming Texas here in the in the later in the week. We're going to get the interview because this was a lot of fun. Yeah, sure was. And uh, I want to thank Chris Felica for coming on with us here. Um, you know, shot him a tweet. Hey, you want to join us this week? Thinking eh, he's probably going to ghost me. Dude responded quick, then hit me to follow DM. Got his number. Got him on. Yeah, this was this this one's a lot of fun. Yeah, for those that don't know, and we do a little bit of an intro, but Chris Felica, he's uh he is on Big Noon Kickoff. He is the you know his nickname is the Bear. He's one that kind of like with picks, with betting, with knowing a little bit about everything. He's kind of like the guy that he is the SID for the broadcast. So he, I mean, he is so much fun. And for a while, he had an Iowa State helmet behind his desk when he would do like standups in the show. So big Iowa State fan. Yeah, he is, and he was he was really pushing. I remember. Um, in 2020, he mentions it in the interview. He he pushed for Iowa State to be a part of college football playoffs. And I remember when it was, I think it was Herb Street and him talking on camera. And as soon as they, you know, got rid of his, were done, were done with his section, they panned to whoever it was. And there were guys in the studio laughing at him. But he's like, I stand behind that. I stand behind number six. That's right. Beat the hell out of Oregon. So yep. uh, without any further ado, welcome. This is the Goldfinch Athletics interview uh, on Kicking It with Chris Felica, the bear from Bears Bets and Big Noon Kickoff. All right, and now we welcome in a very special guest. Uh, you may have heard him on the Bear Bets podcast. Um, if you haven't listened to that yet, be sure to, to do that. He's going to win you some money. Um, also, you may have seen him formerly as a part of ESPN's College Game Day. Now he's on Fox's Big Noon Kickoff. We welcome in Chris, the Bear, Felica. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. I, I wore maroon today for you. I couldn't go full Iowa State equipment gang uh, gear that they that they hooked me up with when I was out there a, a couple of years ago. But uh, I did go maroon. I got to do maintain a little bit of neutrality here, but uh, I tried to fit in with you guys. I'm doing well. 
At least it's not orange. Like we're cool with that. At least it's not a burnt orange. At least this week. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, got, I, I got I got some of that on the way from the uh, from the Texas staff as well. So I definitely <laughs> would have thought that that would have been a uh, uh, been a bad uh, a bad gesture. I, mean, I don't want to be that rude guest. You being so kind and inviting me on the show. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't want to be that guy. No, we appreciate that too. So kind of diving into that though, Chris, you are a a self proclaimed Iowa State fan, if you will, and, and a fan of of Matt Campbell. Why is that? What, what about the Iowa State program? Is it in, in Matt Campbell specifically? I, 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 it actually predates even Matt's arrival in Ames. It actually goes back to like the the, the late '90s in college basketball with Larry Stacey and, and the oh, and Floyd and those teams that. Did I did I say a bad word or no? No, oh, that's good. Know. Like we're okay. big U Stacey fans right. here. Yeah. Okay, because I I, I know there are I, I know there like both sides with him, but <laughs> I, mean, I, I I used to love just the way his teams played how animated and driven he was on the sideline. And when they went to Fog Allen and won, I, I was like so happy. And they never got the respect that, that they, were, they were due. And all they did was go out and win. They got absolutely screwed in 2000 in the NCAA tournament. Like they, were the, they, were the, they were the second best team in the country by Michigan State. So you're basically saying, okay, number one and number two are going to be in the same region. And oh, by the way, we're going to make Iowa State. You're going to have to play, uh, play in the state of Michigan against the Spartans. So uh, – they got they got absolutely job that year by the uh, by the uh, selection committee putting them there and, uh, and and I felt for a uh, for for a lot of uh, Iowa State fans who I'd been in contact throughout that year and just kind of uh, interacting with but uh, I I love those teams and then I, I think Matt's teams kind of had that persona Iowa was going to the, the, the New Year's Six of the BCS and going to the the, the Orange Bowl and. And Iowa State was just kind of coming up and up and up, and then finally they they beat them. And uh, the, the 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 2020 season, the COVID year, was the the year I kind of got laughed at and mocked that I, that you want to pick a team to win the Big 12, take a look at Iowa State, and here are the reasons why. And everybody had a good laugh until there they were in Arlington with the ball on the 20 yard line with an opportunity to uh, to win that game. So I, I think I came out looking pretty good on that one. But yeah, it, it's great. To, it was funny. I actually felt kind of bad early in the year because I was like, here I am bringing up all these notes about how all these close toss-up games that are are not going Iowa State's way. And then finally, finally, like the the positive regression reared its ugly head after however many games it should have been. And and they've won some close games. And here they are. I don't know how many people would have thought uh, after the start to the season that they had, uh, losing to Ohio and then losing to Iowa. Like here they are with an opportunity to go to the Big 12 championship game. So yeah. I've kind of got a bone yeah, to pick it there. About I kind of got a bone to pick it there, Chris. Your your week three bear bets. You picked against the clones, and it breaks oh. my heart because you were right. It hurt. Yeah, what, but you yeah, did what the hell, man? What the <laughs> hell? It hurt. It, it, it's like it, it's funny it's because I, bet, though. Like, I feel I feel bad when I pick against one of my like adopted pet teams, whether it's Iowa State <laughs> or, or Eastern Michigan, where I've had some interactions with them uh, as well than I do picking against my alma mater, Miami, because like, at least with Miami, I can have like the alumni hate and like, that's the reason why I'm like reverse psychology picking against them. But I genuinely felt, I remember that day and I'm like, oh no, I, Ohio is the right side. It really is. Like, why are they playing this game? And Matt should know better going on the road to a Mac school who's like got this game circled on their calendar and yeah, it kind of played out unfortunately for you guys how uh how i kind of thought it might yeah sure yeah I'm, did. I'm i'm curious so now like bringing up the ohio game because you know power ratings that's what that's what gambling is based off of you know mm-hmm. it's yes. it's it's not 
this there's some Kabbalah cigar smoking Las Vegas executives <laughs> going, I think these cyclones are pieces yeah. of shit. It's not that I make I make it three, I make it two and a half. <laughs> so <clears throat> like but with power ratings, it takes into to the totality of the season. With a mm -hmm. team like Iowa State, who has so uh so quickly after the Ohio game, they had like a long, hard look in the mirror and said, this sucks. And they flipped everything. And since then, getting a Big 12 play, it's a totally different team. But still, the power ratings seem to reflect, like, the BYU line, was it eight and a half? I think, was that what it was? Yeah, I think it got steamed up to that. I think it eight opened at like six, six and a half. And yeah, then and, got, and BYU, I mean, they, they gave up 330 yards rushing to West Virginia. They're down a quarterback. and But still, because of the early part of the season, power ratings say Iowa State only six and a half. How do you like uh, reconcile? Like, how does do odds makers reconcile the fact that a team might be totally different halfway through the season than what they started? Yeah, I think they do, but sometimes they're slow to come around. And and that was one of the things entering going into last week's game. Like, I don't, and I tried to like push this all, all season long, and it went against the the note and 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 the way the season has gone with the uh, with the UCF Oklahoma State game with how the the old guard Big 12 teams had just been dominating the, the newcomers in the league and then Oklahoma State just kind of a flat spot uh, in Orlando coming off of the Bedlamin. But I, I don't think people really caught up to like how bad BYU was and not only like the, the the priors from last season with Iowa State like Iowa State's kind of progressed this season like you would have expected a team who's starting a freshman quarterback and has a bunch of freshmen and sophomores like running back and wide receiver. Of course they were going to start throw, slow throughout the year and get better. And a lot of times I don't think like the, the power ratings can particularly catch up to that right away. So it does surprise me that they've been a little slow in, in, in catching on to that. And uh, even this week, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to lay seven, seven and a half or eight, eight points on the road in, in that atmosphere at night with the Texas team, who, if you look at Texas in recent games, like they've gotten up on teams and then whatever happens in the second half, they've let teams yeah, Houston, back in games. Kansas State, TCU, all three, they've had big leads and then it's gone from big lead to oh shit really fast. Yeah, we we were we we were in in Austin for the for the K State game, and that game went from what twenty seven seven or whatever it was twenty to to, to tie game all in, in like a span of four game minutes, and it was like, what the hell is going on here? You, you, you get a turnover with a young quarterback, but I, I think I do think offensively they're a much different team uh, with, with Quinn Ewers as a quarterback. Cause I, I think he as a better propensity to take care of the football, whereas Malik kind of forced some things at times, and he can get those wide receivers more involved. So uh, they, they're good. They're going to be facing a, 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 a as healthy as a Texas team uh, as there has been in a while. Like I was going going back and forth to someone uh, within the program last week, and he, he was like, we finally had like everybody practice for the first time since week two. So they, they've overcome some injuries, and we'll see. Uh, th th this is their toughest test. I mean, they, they, they went out, and they're going to go to the Big 12 championship game and uh, maybe the playoff, and we'll see what happens with the uh, – the college football playoff rankings, but they are they're going they're going to get Iowa State's best shot because this is typically the type of game whether it's been in the past with Texas or Oklahoma or, or Iowa. Like th these are the games that Iowa State kind of comes out and plays with a little bit of a uh, an edge, wanting to prove that they do belong on this type of stage. Yeah, and uh, Texas they're starting uh, running back just towards ACL too, so I'm curious to see how this. I mean, they've got they've got the best freshman running I mean, it's back. Still, it's still Texas. They still have like. Right. How did I how did I miss that? I, I, I yeah, Jonathan I, I, Brooks. Ooh, how did I I missed that one? That that's the, yeah. See, they they love C.J. Baxter, but uh, but losing Brooks is a big deal. See, see what happens when um. 
when, when I when I uh, I'm, I'm spread too thin. I don't. I, I didn't do all my reading. Wow, I didn't. Uh, but that's yeah. That's a, okay. that's we're a here, we're here to help. We're here to help. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's a massive loss for them. I, yeah. Interesting but, dynamic because they, they obviously are going to be starting, assuming a, a true freshman um, running back and then coming into the historic Jack Trice Stadium at night, senior night, last home game. You know, weird things happen. And this at, is going to be, I mean, it's going to be a hornet's nest. And I don't know, you said you, you have, is is the Texas, because uh, I would imagine you, were you guys at Big Noon uh, or Big Noon kickoff? Were you guys at uh, Red River too? No. No, okay, we we're, so not, we're not has, there forever. Is it what Texas, Kansas State? Is that the only game that you've been to? Because I didn't know like the the Texas yeah. and Oklahoma farewell tours. Um, they there have been some spicy environments that, yes, they, that, and that deservedly they have engaged. so. Yeah, and, and deservedly so, as there should be. I mean, these are two teams that are kind of leaving the conference, and in Texas's sake, like they haven't won the league since two thousand nine. So it's like they're the brand Texas, and they're kind of put on this pedestal, but they haven't won anything in 15 years. So it's like, I, I, I get the infatuation. I get the alumni base. I get it's Texas, but it, it kind of like treating them like they're kind of college football royalty nowadays is a little, a little odd when they, they really haven't won much lately. But they, this is maybe the year where it's funny. We talked about how Iowa state kind of had gone through a, a spell where they didn't win a bunch of games that they, they maybe should have, or these close games that didn't go their way. Kind of been a little bit different with Sark this year. Uh, last two years, I think mean, they were four and ten in, in mm-hmm. one possession games. Now finally, they've, uh, despite blowing some games in the second half, they've hung on and been on the uh, the, the right side of the Plinko chip to uh, to win these games. But yeah, I, I would expect it to be kind of wound up. I'm, I'm sure it was it uh, in Stillwater a couple of weeks ago with Bedlam. But uh, good. I, that's what college football is about. It's about spicy atmospheres and fans having that football hate towards their their opponent and uh, and other schools and other fan bases. Well, Iowa State's won. I don't know if you know, won three of the last four matchups, and, and mm-hmm. last year in Austin, Iowa State only lost by a touchdown. And, and Xavier Hutchinson had a wide yep. open post down the field, and just his elbow cracked the ground a little bit. But and otherwise, that would have been a. Well, and Iowa State finished four and eight, so it's not great. A good team we're putting <laughs> out there. And uh, several of those guys are no longer available uh, for um, some reasons that have nothing to do with this podcast. Probably been listening to Bear Bats, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, my, my, my viewership has actually increased this year now. <laughs> I was going to say, sometime in the state of Iowa, we got a little bit too much going on. Um, I was curious because, so like going into, you know, we cover Iowa and Iowa State, and I do some some stuff for uh, Drake. So like three teams, and it's mm-hmm. enough to try and keep kind of a handle on enough of a broadcast stuff. This is like a little inside baseball. How do you have, because anytime you show up on camera, you're well-informed with pretty much anything they're going to throw at. Is that just like a mental Rolodex that you just keep for forever? Or like, how do you prep into a week to be as like knowledgeable about whether it's the line or whether it's, I mean, other than Jonathan Brooks injury, which uh, sorry for that. Uh, Good question. So how do you stay prepped? Like, what does that look like in order to know what's going on across the country relative to, you know, as opposed to just us idiots, just covering one school. I have the life. I'm, I'm, I'm a loser. <laughs> but, uh, I, I do a lot of reading. I'm, I'm, I'm on I'm online reading as many uh, either fan sites or local papers or other other websites, just uh, talking to friends throughout the the, the industry, just kind of trying to keep up. And I, I guess the the key is knowing a little about a lot to be able to kind of, I don't want to say fool you, but like be able to be, be able to have a conversation and actually sound informed. Like maybe I can't go uh, 
too deep down line by line and, and talk about the, the tight end recruit who might be coming in, but to just kind of have a, have an idea of what's going on with the team, uh, what's happened in recent games, uh, storylines, kind, kind of lay out where they might be headed to a bowl game, what they got coming up on the schedule. There, there, there are always like certain things that are kind of like default um, kind of things to look into or just kind of know and like file this away. For the, that way, if someone does ask you about whatever, uh, you'll have that idea. But, but I think the fact that I do kind of focus and like in handicapping and looking at the odds, like I kind of have to, like for every one of these games, like I'll, I'll look at the number and I'll say, okay, does this seem right? Does it not seem right? And then I'll start doing a little research on, okay, well, this is what's going on with this team. This is what's going on with that team. So even if I'm not playing a game, like I'm doing enough research on the board to kind of be like, to have an idea, maybe talk about some things that, that, that maybe not everybody knows, like, like talking about Charlotte and how they brought in the defensive coordinator who was tight with Jim Harbaugh and on the and John Harbaugh and on the Ravens staff and, and maybe look for Charlotte's defense to give Memphis some trouble. Uh, and, and maybe they're going to hang around in this game and, 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 and pull an upset and then wind up losing an overtime. So sometimes you uh, you do look good or you're talking about Old Dominion and Ricky Ronnie being weird at Penn State and, and, and they've lost close games to JMU, blah, 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 da, 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 and, and oh, boy, they lose 38 to 10 or whatever. So, but it, it, it's just a way, it, it's just a good uh, process that I kind of go through to try and n- know as much about teams as, as I possibly can without going completely overboard. Well, I kind of want to ask you too, on your, your Bear Bets podcast, you've mentioned a couple times too about how, the, the Pac-12, this is obviously the last year that they're, they're mm-hmm. going to be around. But they're having arguably maybe the best year the Pac-12 has had in a long mm-hmm. time. I want to ask you about realignment. What are your thoughts on on college football realignment? Do we, do we have it. enough time? <laughs> I, say, <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. And I'm sure you guys are not fans of it as well. But I, I just don't like – again, you could see where it was going and where it was coming from and mm-hmm. what was going to happen years ago. But – you're basically turning it into like two super conferences now when it's kind of like you got the SEC centric conference and the big 10 centric conference and, and everyone else is kind of like looking to survive. And I, I just hate it because you have these huge leagues and I, I don't like leagues where you've got 16 teams in the league and you're playing half of your league in conference play. Like that's mm-hmm. not, let's just get rid of conferences entirely. If, if you're going right. to form leagues like that. But uh, I like old school robberies. I, I think, I think Texas and Texas A&M should play every year. I think Oklahoma and Nebraska should play every year. Like all, all, all the like Oregon, Oregon State should play every year. Like all, all these old school college football robberies, I love, and that's the backbone of the sport. And, and with realignment now, kind of taking away those those games, I'm just not a fan of it. But I guess it was a way to kind of sell to the conferences as well. Playoffs going to expand. <coughs> Excuse me. Now playoffs going to expand. You're not going to worry about those second or third losses, odds are you'll be in there at 11 or 12 anyway. So uh, I get it. It's money. It's television. It's, I, I hate talking about it sometimes because it's like, it, it's your fault. Yeah, yeah. I was in on the conversations at, uh, at ESPN and Fox with the conference commissioners looking to do the, uh, the realignment, but TV is a big, unfortunate driving factor in the realignment. And also TV is a big part of the reasons uh, for uh, financing the sport. So I get it, but I hate it. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. Just the the way that when you look at realignment, 
it feels like there is there is a too small like if you know the Pac-12 explodes and a lot of these teams get absorbed or Oregon State and Washington State are kind of out in the cold which is terrible and if that happens it feels like to me if, if that happens too many more times down the road like I, I we've caught talked about it on here like calling it the transitive property of giving a shit where I am you know we root for Iowa State and Iowa State might at some point play, I don't know, pick a team, uh, Arizona in a bowl game. Well, mm-hmm. then I need, I'm going to watch an Arizona game because it reflects back to caring about my team. Right. Well, if I want to watch high level football and not necessarily have a dog in the fight, I'm going to watch the NFL. So if we start cutting out Iowa State and all the, the schools that, you know, if it's the top 30 teams and it's just Ohio State versus Penn State every weekend, I'm not really going to care as, as a, a person because it's the, the transitive property of give a shit is it doesn't affect me. And so if it doesn't have an, like, it feels like in in my head going forward, there's enough of a limit where viewership will drop off. And then, so you're sort of cutting your nose off to spite your face yep. uh, it, where we don't necessarily get a yield on that return. So I I'm, I'm less pessimistic about the future, but I kind of with you there as far as like, I don't like it. I would rather see, you know, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington should play each other in the pac 12 against the other state schools there. What really needs to happen is just football needs to become its own entity. Like, like just keep Amen. your con- keep your traditional conferences. That way, you've got your basketball robberies, you've got your baseball robberies, wrestling in the in the Midwest, obviously, which is huge. Hockey in the in some of the Big Ten schools, and and all the non road sports. You don't got to worry about traveling cross country and all the expenses dealing with that. Like, you need to like basically say, okay, everything that's happened in the last three, four, five years or whatever in terms of realignment. That's gone for everything but football. Football is its own deal, and uh, that, that, that's where it should go. Whether it does, I don't know. And, and you talk about the, the transitive property of not giving a shit. Like That also takes a little bit of a, an off-the-field, off-athletic type uh, stance, too, because I, I, re- I remember earlier in the year, I, I don't know if it was Jake Dickert or if it was somebody at Washington State, was talking about how, this is going to affect student enrollment. They want to mm-hmm. be at a, a school that's going to have a football team and and see big games and have a top opportunity to play in big games. And if, if they don't have a, a football program that's going to be viewed as an, a, a power five type deal, like that affects like how students view their school. So, I mean, it, it's a shame because you've got Oregon State, which is having its best season in mm-hmm. who knows how long. And they got a big game this week against UW, which – uh, they're only a, I think they're only about a one, one and a half point underdog, and they got a great chance. Is that in Corvallis to, or is that in Seattle? It's, it's, it's in Corvallis, and I think Ooh. they've won. <laughs> I, I think they've won like seventeen or eighteen games there. They were the only loss being the game to to SC last year, where they had them beat. Uh, obviously, beat up on Utah there earlier in the year. That is a man. You talk about a that, hornet's nest. That will be another that, hornet's have, nest. Have you been to Corvallis? No, but it's uh, one of our the the. Publisher Chris Williams has called a couple games for the men's okay. and women's basketball teams during crossover season. And one of his play- favorite places to go is Oregon State and Corvallis because it's, you know, land grant brothers and it sort of mm-hmm. feels a little aimsy just in the Northwest. I was just going to say it had the fan base and like the stadium, it, it, it does have a little like Oregon, Oregon State to like Iowa, Iowa State. It has that kind of feel. And yeah, I, I've been to Corvallis a couple times. I was there when they beat, uh, USC in that fog game on a Thursday night. And then we were there for one of the, uh, the civil war games, but that, that's going to be a, uh, a wound up place on Saturday for sure. I'd be, I actually would be surprised if UW got out of there with the win. Well, maybe that'd be a little sneak preview to the bear bets. Pod hey, oh. <laughs> inside, inside pitches. All right. I agree with you though. I mean, it just, I guess my last thing on, on the, the realignment piece is like, 
some from, from USC who, who, what USC fans are going to travel from California to Maryland to play like they're not, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I would rather see it get back to regionality and, and blow up the conferences and, you know, take Minnesota, Iowa, put Iowa state, Kansas, put them all together in one conference. If we're going to do that to make it regionality so that fans can travel to those games, because you look at football, there's only 12 games that are played for sure. But then basketball has way more games. Baseball has way more games. You've got other sports that are feeling the ramifications of I don't know. Tennis, tennis going with the Rutgers team flying out to UCLA on a Thursday night seems like <laughs> a plus travel. Absolutely. Did you hear like the, a couple of the scenarios that they're like thrown out there? Like we're going to have like multiple teams play like home games or against each other. Like in like a, a one, like go, we're going to go to Dallas and have like oh, I did USC, see that. UCLA, like have like six teams go there and they're all going to like play game. Like what fun is that to take right. out any, yeah. any component of like right. home field advantage, like playing in front of friends and family on, on your, like, it's just ridiculous. It's all about the bottom dollar. Have you ever sure been is. to a game uh, at Jack Tri Stadium? Uh, aside from like the college game, have like been in? Uh, other than the, um, we were there obviously for the two uh, Cyhawk games, and, and yeah. those are the, the only one that two. got delayed seven hours. Yes, <sighs> I actually had to actually left uh, that day because uh, Kirk and and Chris called a game somewhere else. So for, so fortunately, I didn't have to be there for the entire seven hour delay and the the punt muff and awfulness that happened at the end of that game but but the other game um the the, the third quarter debacle there that we oh, kirk, yeah. and chris, kirk and chris did call that one so i was there for that we gotta we gotta get you back for a game though and and love uh, to yeah. I, I was trying to i was trying to get the show there th- this week yeah what it's michigan and the michigan's no. the story it makes the most sense i get it i know and it was, it's a noon game i, I but i was like oh I'm like, it'd be a great atmosphere. It's going to be a great scene. It's going to be a hell of a lot better scene than, than Maryland's going to be. And then, yeah, like, oh, we're taking my, right, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm the new guy on the block. I don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm not, I, I am here to not rock the boat. Well, if you ever want to get to a game, just, you know, shoot us a text yeah, and I'll, I'll uh, we'll get up with some tickets. Saturday off. That's yeah. right. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe we can do a little, maybe do a little, uh, a little KU Iowa State game at, uh, at Hilton. Oh, because this and with the Big 12 expanding, we only get one of those this year. And it is it is at Hilton this year because it's not a home and home schedule where we Iowa State doesn't get to go to Fog Allen. But which is a shame, too. which is a shame. Again, another shame. But uh, anyway, yeah, Iowa State basketball, they're fun this year. I don't know if you've get, gotten to watch. I mean, because it's during football season. Mm-hmm. This Iowa State basketball team, like the ceiling is really high for this. Is team. It? Yes. Is so it, I, I was very being a Miami guy. I was very concerned two years ago. Like I, I thought we were the way Iowa State had won those first couple of games in in, in the tournament, in my and playing Miami in the Sweet Sixteen. I was like super concerned. I'm like, my like, Iowa State is due to play a good game, and it shocked me how uh, how Miami did come out and, and, and win that game, kind of going away, uh, and then ultimately then they went up losing to KU in the in the Elite Eight. And then last year I got to see something that I never thought I would see in my life is uh, Miami basketball in the Final Four, which was uh, amazing to see. Wish they could have had a little better performance against UConn, but is good. But yeah, this, this Iowa state team is uh, there. It's, it's like that, the rock fight that you got to that you were kind of expecting a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. but now offensively, like as an offensive talent wise, they have uh, Omaha blue is a five-star McDonald's all Americans playing about only about 10 minutes a game because the rest mm-hmm. of the scorers on the roster. So I think they're averaging like 90 something points a game and they're holding opponents to in the fifties. No, granted you're playing like, sister Mary school to poor. So mm-hmm. it's not really something you can really count, count on. But this Iowa state team is a very, like a very dark horsey 
team to watch out for. So I like uh, it. Who, who, do they have? Do they have any? Do they have any good non-conference games coming up early on? Uh, they got a, the tournament down in Orlando, and um, it's uh, oh FAU. FAU is going to be at the tournament okay. in Alabama. I think it's going to be Tech. and Virginia That's Tech good. are going to be there in that tournament. And uh, I think it's Thanksgiving weekend, so it, they'll have some opportunities to actually. That's you know, next weekend. It's a Thanksgiving weekend, right? Yeah, next weekend. So yeah, yeah. next weekend. So I'm calling it now, Bear. Iowa State's going to win that tournament. Well, I'll, I'll have to I'll have to look for a little price on the little the little season. Well, so I, I got something else to look forward to now next weekend. We we got we're gonna have Ohio State, Michigan. We got this, and we have Liverpool, Ben City. Um, it's a, fo- on, on Saturday game? morning as well. You big big football guy, kicker. So got to yeah. Um, Soccer is my first. Uh, no, 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 not EPL guy. That's all right. It's not for everybody. <laughs> I understand. When, when it's on, I, I don't make it, uh, you know, I don't look at the schedule and say, I got to watch this. But when, I, when I'm when i flipping through the channels and see it on, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. Yeah, it's, it, I, I've, it's funny. I've always loved, actually played soccer before I did football uh, because my we didn't have a, a football team like in junior high or whatever. So I was playing soccer up until high school as well as Pop Warner. But then I, uh, working with some some people on projects at ESPN going to the World Cup and you know, watching Michael Owen in like 94, 95 and kind of, then working with Steve McManaman, Liverpool guy at the World Cup, just kind of was awesome. Finally got to get to Anfield a couple of years ago. It's they are they are sick hardcore fans over there yeah. of their uh, of their clubs. That's for sure. It's, I think that's kind of why I like it because it kind of reminds me of everything that makes college football great. Just like the, the fans and the ties to the community and how lineage of fans, the generations of fans rooting rooting for the same team. So it's a uh, it's really cool. Well, now, now they're starting to bring the MLS is starting to bring some of those guys mm-hmm. over here. So I want to get down to Kansas City. The, the ticket prices are unreal, but I want to get on Kansas City when Miami plays there, like next year, the, the year after, to, to see Messi. I mean, I feel like that's a once in a lifetime. Met, not only Messi, uh, Luis Suarez, who a great player Luis for Suarez Liverpool. He's, or, yeah, he's going to be playing the next right? year as well. So yeah, they'll they'll yeah, no. be a they're going to be that's a massive draw next year, which is great. Yeah. A, lot, a lot a lot of people kind of scoff and be like, oh yeah, they're just washed up from their European. But you know what? The American, the American fans know their names and, and and love watching them. And I mean, I wouldn't say Messi winning the Ballon d'Or again, past <laughs> year, winning the World up. Cup in twenty two. I, I would I wouldn't say he's washed <laughs> up. That's for sure. Well, wasn't Miami? Their, their soccer team kind of sucked until Messi got there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, they ultimately didn't make the the playoff, but yeah, he totally turned them. Right? I mean, they, I think they either had one win or hadn't won a game or whatever it was. And then when he got there, they they, they went on quite a run. This came up just short. Yeah. yeah, that the that World Cup final with France and Mbappe and oh. Messi going back and forth. So we were out. My my wife's parents wanted to go out to New York for Christmas, just you know, experience New York for Christmas. Which mm-hmm. uh, parts of it fun, parts of it not. Uh, don't right. go to Rockefeller Center during no. Christmas. Absolutely horrible. Anyway, Can't move. Uh, uh, but it was funny. Like the World Cup final, when you're like, I'm watching on my phone because we're just walking around in kind of New York, and they're not big sports fans. I am, and so I'm watching on my phone, and it gets to the point, and we're doing Christmas shopping. And it gets to the point where it's the middle of the second half and that game's getting like really close and it's mm-hmm. going, I mean, it's getting ready to go into overtime and you sit down at like a, whatever, I don't know, Saks Fifth Avenue and you're sitting down there or Macy's and there's like five other people, like regardless of, you know, age, sex, sports preference, whatever. There's like a 75 year old woman that's got her phone watching the world cup match. There's like other people. So like by the time I got to overtime doing, <laughs> doing kicks, my YouTube TV stream was like 15 seconds behind other people's for some reason. And so I'm walking just, I think we're just walking to go grab some pizza, uh, kind of on the I don't know, upper West side. And they, I think Mbappe or was it Messi makes his, uh, PK and like 
12 people in front of me and 12 people behind me all go like, yeah, like everybody was watching it, just walking up and down the sidewalks mm -hmm. in New York. And I think that to me is the coolest part of soccer is that like it is worldwide and it's so much easier to understand than football for the casual fan. So like no matter how big the Super Bowl is going to be, like you have to explain like, OK, well, this is pass interference. And you're like, wait, what? It's like, no, <laughs> that guy kicks the ball into that net. Got it. Good. So try like, explaining off sides, like though. <laughs> yeah okay it's when the kick ha when the actual pass happens it's where the but midfield Mid midfield plays a big part in that too yeah, yeah okay um so i think we've held you for almost 30 minutes and i, I do so my wife and i do travel a bunch now that you i kind of travel Ooh, a bunch go. at what point is the flight long enough to take your shoes off on the plane never really <laughs> well well, well actually, I, I will i will amend that red eye flights especially if you're if you are in if you, if you're in first class and you and you can able to lay down, you, you should, yeah take your shoes off. They give you the the sleep socks that you can put on. You're good. I red red eyes where you're sleeping. You you need to be a little comfortable. You, you're you're good. Okay. Okay. I can get behind that. I'm not I'm I'm not one of those like. Take take them off. Let the dogs bark. Put it up on the wall. That, 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 that's <laughs> put, it, not, put it between the seat of the person in front of you. That's, that's, that's down not here. me. Like, like on their armrest. <laughs> if you're going to be asleep for majority of the flight and you had a long day, fine. Take take your shoes off. Keep your feet and feet under the seat, and what you're you're good. Or if you're if you're fortunate enough to be on like a, an overnight uh, transatlantic or transpacific flight. Uh, and you get you you're good. Okay. But okay, yeah, yeah, we went we went last this summer. We went Zurich or uh, O'Hare to Zurich. And like took off at 8 p.m. landed like 10 a.m. That one, I mean, I'm a broad-shouldered guy. It, it's a little hard to to get a little bit comfortable. Yep. Then we had another one earlier in the year where we went to to London. That flight was during mm -hmm. like the entire time during the day. And I can get behind the keeping your shoes on part. I don't yeah. necessarily always follow that rule, uh, but especially because I gotta like fold myself up in the seats, and it's a little bit easier to do with just like a little <laughs> bit less space. But uh, yeah, I just did. I had to get a take. I'm just making sure we understand the I, I, flight. How is it, how is Zurich by the way? Unbelievable unbelievable switzerland it's like so as an as an just zurich itself is uh it's the nicest cleanest uh european city that i've ever been to but the thing about switzerland itself like as a, a legitimate story we were in zermatt which is where the matterhorn is mm -hmm. and took a little hike on kind of i don't know whoa east of where the matterhorn is and it you take you know it's whatever every everything's a beautiful trail you come back out and there's a little restaurant there and they they this restaurant retrofitted old ski chalets into a bathroom and the windows of the bathrooms literally overlooked the mountains in the Swiss Alps. And the shitters there have the best views that I've ever seen. That's Switzerland. It, it is expensive, but wow, it is that, worth it. So Zurich, that's, it's, that's, yes. That's what I've heard. In 2020, we had had planned our trip. We were gonna go to uh, Northern Italy, Milan, and across Como, and wind, wind up in, in Venice. And we were flying into Zurich because that's how we always kind of look for like these oddball routes to try and figure out like what's the least amount of miles I need to to use to pay for this trip. So we were going to fly into Zurich, uh, spend it spend a day there, and then take the train down through the Alps to go to Milan. And mm. then obviously the world decided I wasn't yeah. going to do that. So uh, if you do get to go to yeah, if you do get to go to Switzerland, the, my favorite place there was in the Interlaken region, which is kind of down mm -hmm. by Bern ish. Yep. Yep. And there is a place that's sort of like off the beaten path. It's called Kleine Scheidig. And it's up at the base, the Eiger Mountain. And I mean, it looks, it is a fairy tale looking place. And there's not, a, there's so few people there. Like every hike is gorgeous. Like, it, you know, little puffer trains everywhere you go. So like Kleine Scheidig in the Interlaken region, it's A plus.
Right. Maybe I might have to try and uh, do that on the back end because I'm pretty sure I'm going to be in Germany for for Euros in in the June of uh, oh, 2024. Cool so maybe, maybe on the maybe on the back end of that, I'll have, have to go down from to Germany over to uh, to Switzerland. Maybe maybe spend some time in some places that I haven't been over there yet. Sweet, sweet. Well, Chris, we have uh, we've kept you past the time. We really appreciate your time. We appreciate oh, you jumping course. on with us. And uh, yeah, man. This yeah, is, thanks this, for coming this, on. This, this has been this, fun. Thank you so if, much. If you didn't already, by talking about the Larry Eustachie late '90s basketball team, if you didn't already <laughs> have the place in Cyclone, like the Cyclone Land, is like the favorite national guy, you absolutely cemented it with the Eustachie stuff. I w- I would have won a very big bracket pool had they solely won the game against Michigan State. Oh. So I was like the only one that had. Iowa State winning that like it wouldn't have even mattered what happened in Indianapolis like I would have won it it was it was crushing because I that that aside money aside I was I was so mad I was because I loved watching that team and they deserved a a a much better shake than what they got yeah I hear you well I I appreciate it thank you so much (laughs) on that note yeah (laughs) no we appreciate man thanks so much and uh yeah, I'm serious. So if you want to get the Jack Trice, let me know. We'll, we'll, we'll get you some tickets, man. If you Absolutely. ever have a, a free Saturday. Well, have fun, have fun this weekend. Great talking you. to you. I appreciate yeah, it. Shoot, shoot me in if you ever want to uh, chat again. Uh, let, let's uh, let's do it. Cool. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks. Well, that was the uh, Goldfinch Athletics interview with a legend, absolute legend there, Chris Felica. I mean, I that was the most. I think that was the most fun I've had like in an interview. I mean, Hatch was good for BYU, but like he's not the bear. I mean, no offense to to Jake Hatch, but. That was Chris solid, Lucas. man. Yeah, he's a he's a good dude, just a fountain of knowledge and just down to earth dude. Well, and what's funny is that like he's so you know he says he's sort of like good some things that you know knows something a little about it, a lot of things. You he'll, he knows a lot about a lot okay, of things. We, we stopped recording and he was talking about in like going back in 1996 was the first year of the new overtime rules and his first game was Wyoming at Iowa State that he was a part of with one of the broadcasts and was recalling the exact specifics and mechanics on winning the McCartney, winning the toss and what elections he made on that. I was like, dude, that's not just a no. little bit about, a lot. Yes. that's a lot about a lot. He's cutting himself short. So that was really fun. So yeah, he's, he also, uh, uh, after we hung up, he, he was like, yeah, if you want to, if you want me to, you know, do this again, I'd be happy to. So, and I don't think that was just a nice idea. I think he legit meant that. Yeah. I hundred percent plan on doing that. So I don't know. Aiden, don't screw it up, man. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for tuning into this one. This is kind of a special edition. We will come back with a regular schedule kicking it uh, later in the week. And so, you know, we got the bear on. Got to put the bear episode out. So. Yeah. This one was just, yeah, just a nice, nice interview. Um, we'll, we'll be talking more about BYU and, and uh, upcoming Texas. But for now, that's all we got for, for the bear. And as always, adopt, don't chop. <laughs>